Red Leather, Yellow Leather. Red Leather, Yellow Leather. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Pat and John on their best behavior. I'm John. Yellow Leather. <laughs> and I'm Pat. And this is the podcast in which two college friends bond with and berate one another over the films and music they love from Paddington to pop punk to Paul Thomas Anderson. I still got it. I still got it. And we are coming at you uh, after a little bit of a, I don't know if we call it a hiatus. Not, not a hiatus. That, that's too, that, that requires a that sounds level like you of went intentionality. To yeah, that, well, I, I feel like it. Um, I no such luck. Uh, no, that, that implies some level of intentionality and planning and also a, a neat, it's something to hiatus from, uh, which, which we obviously, that's, that's not, that's not our brand. Um, but we're, we've had a little bit of a break. Things have been pretty hectic in different ways for the two of us. And we've been, uh, getting a lot of things in order. And as ever, we want to make sure that we're bringing only the best to our listeners. Um, I'm not on paternity leave. <laughs> no, uh, because they don't have that in this country. But that's a, that's a subject for <laughs> another day. Um, uh, but I, I think before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about, which we will do, I think I think the listeners probably would like to hear what we've been up to uh, for the, the past few weeks. But in the interest of not not letting it get overblown, um, which is the Pat and John promise. Uh, I'm going to give us each a minute just to like catch catch up on what we've been up to for the past three, four weeks or so. Um, do you want to go first, Pat, or do you want me to go? I'll go. Yeah, tell okay. me when you're ready. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So I finished my film, which I think I've been talking about, and I think I repeatedly <laughs> said at the end of every episode – I don't want to give a date. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk too much about it in sort of. Except, I think the last, the last. I'm interrupting you, but I think the last episode we had, you you did give a date. Well, it it was finished by that date. Right. The date was right. November fifteenth. It's almost a month. It's almost a month after that. The film is done. There is a screening uh, this Friday in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not going to post about it because we're already sold out by 10 people. And I oh, yeah. don't know what we're going to do about that. <laughs> um, there's like literally like the the owner of the theater was like, we can provide you with this many extras. We're so past the extras that like it's we're fucked. Um, and uh, I've been deathly ill, too. I've gotten sick for the first time in two years. And um, I've been really kind of sidelined with that. Um, so, yeah. Making movies and, and sidelined by uh, illness and medical issues. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if it's a, a not, memoir by Patrick Stanley. <laughs> if, if this isn't a, a metaphor, I got sick the day the film finished. Mm. So that's that's when I woke up and I couldn't move and I couldn't talk. So hashtag so yeah. blessed in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, I'll uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go next. I'll go in three, two, one. Uh, let's see. In the past month or so um i have gotten two different publications uh of two two different uh sets of poems um i have applied i took the gre after studying for approximately 36 hours maybe um (laughs) i applied to grad school another grad school i applied to some fellowships and got the first of those off of the ground um i have um let's see what else um, I'm as of today, I am done with classes and I am done with teaching for the entire semester. 
And I don't really have uh, I traveled to New Hampshire for Thanksgiving, which was every bit as dangerous as you would expect it to be. Uh, and the Patriots have continued to dominate uh, the AFC, the AFC East, but the AFC writ large. Um, and I feel like that's really all you need to know about me for the past month. Did I miss anything, Pat? Uh, no, I think that's good. Yeah. So that's us. That's where we are. Um, and it's kind of fitting in some sense that we sort of take the, the two minutes to go over what we've been up to for the past four weeks uh, because this episode is in some ways looking at the things that we've been up to over the course of the past four uh, quarters of the year, I suppose mm. is what they talk about in the financial mm. sector. Um mm. Yeah, and this entire month, maybe with some exceptions here and there, but this entire month is going to be dedicated to that type of, um, you know, looking backwards, reflection, maybe some navel-gazing every now and then, uh, because Uh. it's the end of the year, if you can fucking believe it. Pardon my French. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. And I'm so excited I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, me too. And this, for, for the first time in my life, I could probably stand to do that. Um, how about you talk to us about what we're going to be doing for today, uh, uh, Pat? Because it was your idea. So it was my idea. Um, yeah, yes, and that, so, that is an accusation. That is blaming. So typically at the end of the year, everybody goes, oh, what is your top five films of the year? Top 10 or whatever numerical value you want to assign to it. Mm -hmm. But what I think is more interesting, especially in the light of all of the catalogs available to us Mm -hmm. and various repertory theaters and all that kind of stuff is what are your favorite things that you've seen that haven't been released this year? You know, well, and for the sake of our list right now, we'll call these pre 2021 films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know... That we, we watched fil- for the first time. Yes, for the first time, and that yeah. have been so uh, moving that we're like, okay, these are the kind of top five films of the year that we're going to keep with us and keep thinking about and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's a good... I and I, I feel like this is a mixture of things that we have probably been wanting to watch for quite a long time um and then maybe some things that we stumbled onto just randomly there might be one or two i can guarantee that there is going to be one that we stumbled onto uh because of this podcast because of an Mm. episode of this podcast Mm. um and yeah it's i uh i certainly don't say this lightly but good idea pat oh good idea good idea (laughs) um keep keep that energy up keep keep the ideas coming um yeah, so I uh, are we just? I think we should just do a tit for tat, tick for tat. Yeah, and I have ranked kind of them. I and have yes. actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wow. through much deliberation. I hate ranking things. <laughs> I hate assigning value to things. But I have ranked them in terms of, I guess, just like you know how often I think about them, how mm-hmm. you know, and I guess yeah, I guess the ranking is a merit merit based system. Yeah, merit badge system. Yeah, with you know, with a, a grain of salt, uh, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, who wants to go first? Why don't you go first? Okay, I'll go first. Um, 
And let me just say in, in advance, I apologize for my pronunciation for anything uh, mm. for this uh, pertain to this movie. Pat, feel free to correct me. Listener, feel free to correct me by way of uh, Instagram message or uh, review of the podcast. Um, my number five favorite, uh, my fifth favorite first time watch for 2021 is uh, In the Mood for Love. Mm. Uh, the mm. romantic drama suppose written uh produced directed released in 2000 um by Wong Kar Wai Wong Kar Wai There we go Wong Kar Wai 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 I was right th- I was right killed it the, the first time Yeah trust- yeah you killed it yeah You need to trust your instincts Um yeah this was a movie I'd been meaning to watch for quite a long time um honestly I actually the thing that made me want to watch it or reminded me that I needed to watch it was um the episode that we did in which we had uh, Spencer on to talk about like discourse in films, and he mm. talked a lot about Wong Kar Wai, and he talked a lot about uh, the extent to which Barry Jenkins has been influenced by Wong Kar Wai, and it just reminded mm. me that I really need to like watch some of his films because I hadn't seen it before, I hadn't seen any of them before. Um, and yeah, uh, this movie is—I don't want to give too much of it away, but um, it is essentially about these two adults who, by just their situation they find themselves connected uh they have their they're in similar situations as it pertains to their partners (laughs) and they are two sort of like lonely souls in the night passing each other in the night and they yeah i mean like again i don't want to give away too much because like this movie is so rich and like everything needs to be experienced um but it's just about them sort of living their own lives, but also finding moments of connection uh, with one another and trying to reconcile with some of the things going on in their in their personal lives. And that's, I feel like that's like the general gist of it. Am I missing anything? You're no, I think you're, I think you're right to talk about it as an experience because the movie is so sensual. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about the steam rising from the plates of food and, you know, when it mm-hmm. rains and um, her dress and his his shirt and all the uh the sitting down in a couch there's just all these lovely little sort of sensory yeah. things in the film yeah it's it's a very quiet movie too um, yeah 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 uh, to, to the extent that i i wasn't sure about it. and i i tend to like quiet movies in general but for the yeah. first like 45 minutes i was kind of like huh i don't I don't know, like, you don't want to be that person, right, who, like, watches, like, an international film, like, with subtitles. And yeah, why is like, it, oh, why, it sucks. Yeah. yeah, I don't get it. But yeah. it, but, I, but I would say once I really sort of, like, settled into it, I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. Like, I get why this film is so acclaimed and why Wong Kar Wai is so uh, acclaimed. And the movie is just really beautiful. Mm. And there's so much, just, like, in every single moment, regardless of what is happening or regardless if if anything is happening at all um i'm thinking about a scene involving two characters sitting in a diner mm. and them ordering food and the way that they're ordering food or why they're ordering food mm. or eating food in a particular way that just like gave me a give me a lump in my throat mm. um the performances are really remarkable um and it's like it's like just over an hour and a half, mm, so you really can't go wrong there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was surprised. I was expecting it to be like a you know an, an endeavor of time uh, and a commitment of time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to say too much about it because I think people should experience it. But that was a movie that I'm glad that I finally checked off my list. I feel like a lot of these I'm going to be kind of t- telling on myself for not having seen them before. But mm. you know what? Like, 
you, you don't have time to watch everything. No, you just no. Don't. And it's good to be vulnerable with, with people, you know? Yes. Yeah. We're all just yeah. learning at the altar of cinema. Mm, that is true. S- maybe sacrificing ourselves uh, sacrificing on the altar of cinema. <laughs> of a lamb. Um, yeah. Speaking of sacrificial lambs. Oh. <laughs> yes, he just um, dabbed, ladies and gentlemen. This has nothing to do with sacrificial lambs. Um, <laughs> so this isn't technically a first time watch, but oh, I want to say it's a first time <laughs> appreciation. Well, actually, it is a first time watch. So this movie I saw maybe two years ago on streaming and I had heard about it. I said, oh, it's this sort of it's a semi-autobiographical film about this uh, young female filmmaker in London (laughs) and she meets this sort of mysterious guy and you know her her life kind of unravels Mm -hmm. the movie is called the souvenir part one and i watched it two years ago on streaming and i couldn't i thought this sucks at my recommendation your recommendation i was like oh oh boy (laughs) i just didn't buy it i thought it was inauthentic i just thought i just couldn't deal with like the them having lunch in some fabulous english parlor <laughs> and um i knew there was because pat knows that he wouldn't be allowed in that english parlor for several yeah. different reasons oh i know irish in it <laughs> um, that's not the british accent that they would have but um might as well be um and i i knew that there was a sequel coming out this year and i was sort of scrolling through this list of films that adam curtis the documentarian recommended about movies that show their time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, the souvenir by Joanna Hogg. It's a film about sort of the ending of a, an English social class. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. All right. So I put it on in August and I was so blown away. Mm. I thought it was so lovely and so observational and it took its time with everything. And I was totally buying on to this narrative that um, London is decaying and it's, you know, Thatcher and, you know, all these lovely blue collar towns in England are kind of going under and unemployment and anti-immigration stuff. But this couple... You know, the, the woman played by uh, Honor Swinton Byrne, who's sort of based on Joanna Hogg, and mm-hmm. this, you know, this boyfriend. And who is Tilda Swinton's has, daughter. Tilda Swinton's Tilda daughter. daughter. Tilda Swinton is also in the movie. Mm-hmm. And their passion is kind of like the only living thing in the landscape. Yeah. And also I found it very relatable now as like someone who's made a couple more film projects and is sort of you know, altered the structure of their brain chemistry to really think about filmmaking all the time. The, I found it very um, relatable that, that Julie, the character is struggling to find her voice. And she has this desire to do this documentary about, you know, the port, the, some dock town in England and her, her, her professors are like, we all know you're posh. 
<laughs> like that's not you. Mm. And finding your voice is something that's very hard to portray and it not be cringe. Mm, yeah. But this movie has a really wonderful way of of doing that. Also, there is an amazing reveal and an amazing scene in this film where mm. Julie finds out that her boyfriend is a heroin addict and mm-hmm. it's done through this guy and he's like this very funny funny flamboyant filmmaker and the scene is shot through mirrors and reverse angles and it's it's like the most magnificent dinner party scene i've seen in a long time and it's amazing to watch a character learn information in real time and portray it realistically Mm. yeah and i think that's really hard to do and i think yeah so the souvenir part uno yeah um yeah a couple things number one um you were regarding, right <laughs> yeah, number one regarding the brain yeah number one i was right number two regarding the brain chemistry um on, on behalf of everyone <laughs> maybe alter it back uh just let me just want i just want to say that yeah. um maybe maybe think about that um uh and number three yeah i mean uh Agreed on everything. Uh, Pat did a really wonderful job of capturing what makes this movie work so well. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorite A24 films. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about it on Brendan Bendorf's uh, podcast, Filmaholics uh, Identified. Um, not to plug another podcast, but check out that episode. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. And I'm so annoyed that I can't watch <laughs> Souvenir Part 2 anywhere. Mm. It's not playing anywhere near me. I don't, mm. I don't even know if it's playing anywhere at all. And I can't find it in the places that I usually find, uh, I got bad news. Movies. It's coming to is it playing next near- week. I, oh, not fair. Yeah. This yeah. is what Marx was talking about. The haves <laughs> and the have nots, you know? Who? Just isn't fair. <laughs> he wouldn't, wouldn't like him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I need to watch this movie so badly because I hear, and I hear from like very reputable sources that the second film is even better than the first, yeah. which is like, you know, that's, that's a tough demand, but yeah, really remarkable. Um, very much worth your time. Um, okay, uh, so from my number four, uh, my fourth favorite first watch of 2021 is a movie that, like, I can't necessarily sanction all, like, 100% of the film in terms of its running time, mm. but <laughs> the stuff that works in this movie works so fucking well that, like, I don't I don't care. Because there was some stuff where I was like, maybe I could advocate for, maybe I should include something that I can advocate for for, like, all of its running time, but this is just a testament to how well the movie works when it's really uh, firing on all cylinders. And this movie is the 1991 um, modern kind of retelling of uh, Henry the Fourth Part One, Henry the Fourth Part Two, and Henry the Fifth. And it is a movie called My Own Private Idaho. Mm. Which mm, I had never mm. seen. I had heard so much about this movie, specifically because of River Phoenix's performance um, and Keanu Reeves as well. But I knew nothing about this movie at all. Like I knew it was like I knew there was like some gay stuff in it, and it was River Phoenix and nope. Keanu Reeves. I did not know that it had anything to do with Shakespeare yeah. at all. Um, and I was like, I didn't literally. I I found that out as I was like about to fire it up. Um, it's the rare movie that I rented i paid money to rent it as opposed to watching it by other mechanisms because i knew that i needed to watch it in like the best quality possible Mm. and it's i mean it's just it is it is a modern retelling of 
Henry the Fourth Part One and Part Two and Henry the Fifth. Um, and it's it's weird. It's so '90s. It's directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, who you might know as the director. Most people know as the director of um, Goodwill Hunting. Um, but he, a lot of his movies, I'm not super familiar with his filmography, but a lot of his movies tend to be a little weirder than Good Will mm. Hunting. That's a fair assessment, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he did a movie about Columbine. Yeah, um, right, right. Um, and it's, yeah, Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix are just these two characters that, uh, are, they're friends, <laughs> um, to put it mildly. And how would, I don't know, maybe I should have done more research on this, uh, how would you describe this plot? Uh, here, I'm just going to read it from fucking Wikipedia. The story follows two friends, Mike Waters and Scott Favor, played by River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves, respectively, as they embark on a journey of personal discovery that takes them from Portland, Oregon, to Mike's hometown in Idaho, and then to Rome in search of Mike's mother. I guess that's as good a plot uh, summary as you can get. Um, this movie is so beautiful mm. in the last, like, 65% of it. Yeah. I think that you actually use the term unwatchable for the first, like, 35% of this movie. Um, and it is busy and goofy in ways that don't necessarily work for me. But yeah. then when the movie takes a more slow... when it Essentially, when it turns into, like, a, a gay road trip movie, it yes. fucking yes. sings yes. like nobody's business. And the shots are beautiful. Once again, it's so quiet. And River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves are just incredible together mm. um the writing is really remarkable for the majority of it and it's obviously it's heartbreak it's heartbreaking to watch river phoenix in anything but i feel like in this movie in particular given the fact that it is sort of about a, a sort of a you know live fast die young sort of character mm. being played by you know an actor who has who embodies that you know that entire sort of ethos mm. or whatever um yeah, I don't know. I I probably could should say more about it, but that's 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 the long and short of of this movie. No, I think that's lovely. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Number four for you. I have a question. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you could uh, adapt any Shakespeare, what would it be? Where would it be? Oh man, you know, I've what done would this. Be the vibe. I've done this exercise where I not exercise but i was i was hanging out with people and this is back at skidmore and this is the type of stuff you did at skidmore apparently um where i came up with like the worst ever like idea for a um a shakespeare adaptation uh-huh. and the idea i had was <laughs> the tempest but it takes place in an office building and it's these characters who are taking an elevator up to the top floor of like an office building for like a meeting of some sort and the executive of the building who is Prospero manages to make the elevator fall. And so they end up at the bottom of the, of the building. And so it's just about them trying to like get to the top of the elevator. That's not actually Um, not bad. That's, that's pretty watchable. Yeah, I mean, compared to a lot of other ones, but I yeah, had this yeah, idea yeah. that like the I can't remember his name, but the guy who's supposed to like like stack logs instead, he's like being tasked with like doing like paperwork and stuff like that. Mm. And Caliban is like a janitor. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. So that doesn't answer your question, but I mean, Twelfth Night is my favorite Shakespeare play. Mm. Um, before like Joker became a thing, I had an idea for Hamlet as like a and taking place in a carnival. 
and I had a whole idea for like to to be or not to be. I had an idea for that speech taking place. Like Hamlet is like the head clown. And so that would be taking place like while he was either putting on clown makeup mm. or taking off clown makeup. Yeah. But obviously that idea is you, you can't you can't do anything. Clowns are clowns are out. Sure. They're out forever. Sure. Sure. Do you have an answer to this? Yeah, I think Probably it'd be a better cool um, to put Hamlet in a uh, like a motorcycle gang. Just kidding. They did that. It's called Sons of Anarchy. I was going to say. Sons um, of, OK. <laughs> no, I well, my favorite Shakespeare is Lear. Um, oh, but is I don't it? Know. They, they, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yelling at the wind. Uh. But they've already had so many great um, adaptations, mm. especially one directed by the filmmaker who I'm going to mention next. Oh, oh, hell yeah, that's another doubt. Hell yeah, gentlemen. let's go, kids. <laughs> um, we we have you just said a road trip film. This is also sort of a road trip film, not really a road trip film, but. Um, it is a very famous movie that I remember reading about when The Revenant came out. This was okay. uh, one of Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu's uh, inspirations. Very good. You're welcome. <laughs> and the film is Akira Kurosawa's Dertsu Ortsala. Mm. And it is a co-Russian slash Japanese production and it is about this Russian regiment in Siberia and they um, come upon this trapper named Dertsu and the lieutenant of the Russians befriends him Mm. And Dertsu basically leads them through Siberia. You know, they're charting things. He keeps them alive. Like, there is this incredible sequence where they're sort of separated from everyone and they have to build a shelter. Mm. And they build a shelter in real time to to, to stave off the elements. Mm-hmm. And the film is so 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 immaculately shot Mm. the landscapes of course it's like how could you fuck those up (laughs) um and at the end it becomes you know a morality tale it becomes this very sort of um you know like a kind of western technology kind of comes to the frontier Mm. and it's very kind of tragic and and um kind of humbling at the end very kind of melancholy very much melancholy um so yeah what's it called again that's my film it's called dirtsu usala okay okay so it's a later it's a later film for him yeah yeah and of course like ran is his adaptation of king lear Mm. which he supposedly directed when he was blind oh and if you see the color in that film you're like what right it's the most spectacular like use of color i Um, i haven't seen i haven't seen very many kurosawa films i've seen mm. throne of blood which is another shakespeare adaptation obviously yeah uh uh, a a, an adaptation of um macbeth uh yes Mm. macbeth yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then seven samurai obviously Mm. obviously um obviously please i did tell myself i was gonna watch uh rashomon 
That's that's curious. Yeah. yeah, I told myself I was going to watch that this year. If I if I had, it probably yeah. would have been on this list. Yeah, um, Rashomon is actually based on a recent film. It's actually based on The Last Duel. <laughs> oh, oh um, I see. Little, people don't know that, but yeah. Rashomon is actually based on The Last Which Duel. Which I haven't seen because I'm a feminist. So Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Um, so is Ridley Scott. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, huh, okay, how, how long are we talking? I, this, could, this could be like 75 minutes or five hours. Uh, it's it's two and a half hours. Okay, gotcha. So it's okay. Still um, not bad. Still not yeah. bad. Um, uh, awesome. Okay, great. Um, let's see. My third favorite uh, first watch of 2021 is a movie. This is where I'm really showing my ass, especially considering who I am currently sharing this Zoom conversation with. Um, for the first time ever this year, I watched the 2007 uh thriller film directed by one david fincher mm. Mm. zodiac which mm. i've been meaning to watch for so long uh. I, I i don't i don't know what i don't know what kept me from it i think i didn't realize it was as good as it was like i i guess for a little mm. while i thought it was like sort of seen as like a sort of mid fincher film and then i think it was probably around the time that i was just because i was just curious where mank was put in his like filmography or you know ranked in his filmography insofar as that kind of shit matters i was shocked by like how many people had zodiac as like it was like consistently seen as like his either his best film or like his a top three film for him um and that made me want to watch it and then i, I watched it at some point remember how i said i was going to tell you when i watched these movies and i haven't done that at all um but <laughs> yeah i the Zo- zodiac is about the zodiac killer jake gyllenhaal plays a reporter at the uh, a, a newspaper i don't know which the san francisco chronicle um he is also really interested in like crypto crypt, cryptology cryptology mm. is that whatever yeah he likes symbols yeah yeah um and uh, yeah cryptology is going to mean something very different in five years um unfortunately <laughs> um uh and he just yeah he's kind of just like a random person who is looks at the zodiac killer's letters and decides that he is the guy to solve the case um and it's just it's yeah it's him mark mark ruffalo is in it Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Um, Chloe Savini? Savigny? Savigny? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Um, she's in it as well. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's just a really remarkable David Fincher film. It is David Fincher firing mm. on all cylinders. Like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. him at his most cynical, his darkest, his maybe not funniest, but there are funny you know aspects to it um it's the movie he was born to make uh yeah for fans of Mindhunter, uh you will mm. see this is the you know this is the the seed from which that tree sprouted obviously uh and it's it's a really fucking remarkable movie yeah um it's a movie about process and he's a guy who's obsessed with process yeah and step by step whatever yeah um i think it's uh i think that turned a lot of people off too Mm. yeah yeah i think people didn't like the ending either which is you know the ending is true to life yeah 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 but you know i think 
I don't know. I think that ending just didn't sit well with people. And I, which I, I, I just like the fact that he leaned into it. Like he didn't, yeah. he didn't have oh, to yeah. do what he did with oh, this yeah. movie, but he was just oh, like, yeah. you know, true to form. He's like, fuck you. I, this is the movie I want to make. It's also episodic. Yeah. It's like conspicuously episodic as well. Yeah. Um, which it, it is really interesting to watch it after having, after having watched Mindhunter. Um, it's just you yeah. know, Gyllenhaal and and David Fincher, they did not get along on set. Really, as I did not. The, know that. As the story goes, Jake Gyllenhaal did not like the repetitive going again, going again, going again, going again. Hmm. He the, thought the that the it was kind of like, aspect of it. Yeah, he didn't like the fact that you know, and and of course you know Fincher shoots on digital. He didn't like the fact that like oh, and then it's just on a memory card, and then they can just d- delete it. Right. Like I can do all of that fucking work, and then just boop. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great article I think in the New York Times where David Fincher, because you know Jake Gyllenhaal's star was, you know, was rising totally. during this film. Yeah. You know, and he was getting big offers. And David Fincher talks about, like, you know, he had a lot of people giving him really bad advice during that time. Mm. Um, you know, so. Yeah, 2007, what a year. Truly. There will be blood, no country for old men. Mm-hmm. Um, Juno, Michael Clayton. Juno. Mm, yeah, 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 Zodiac. And Zodiac um, got nothing, uh, very famously got no. nothing. And some people think that this is the movie <laughs> that, like, should have landed him some you know something whether it's you know screenplay directing obviously he's going against you know he's going against uh some royalty there but yeah no i i'm really glad that i i checked it out i i don't think this makes me a fincher completionist uh mm. quite yet i don't know exactly what i think i haven't seen the game I think that's mm, one i still have to watch not many people have okay um so i think i may that might be the one that's holding me back uh but yeah, I'm that much closer, and I feel I feel better for it. So, Zodiac, good picture. Not 90 minutes. Notoriously not 90 minutes. Sure. Um, well, that's funny that you you said Zodiac because I also have a serial killer investigation film, mm-hmm. albeit from a different corner of the world, and that is uh, Cure by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Hmm. No relation to Akira Kurosawa. Right. Um, I had been seeing this movie on a bunch of Criterion things. I had been seeing this movie on a bunch of uh, sort of best of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I have to see this. Like, It just, it just seems so right up my alley. And it is uh, an extremely chilling tale about a series of connected deaths in Japan mm-hmm. and the police officer who's in charge of investigating the deaths. And I I don't know. I mean, it is a masterclass of mood and setting and there's tremendous one-shots. And I, I, I can't say anything because there's so much um yeah i'm just gonna spoil it if i say anything um right and i will definitely say if you can make it to the ending of this film what would prevent you from making it to the ending well it's very unsettling okay 
just just the the vibes unsettling. the vibes it's would prevent bloody, you. Bloody, it's really scary. Okay. Um, but it's not scary like jump scary. It's just un- unsettling. I mean, it's like truly kind of evil. Sure. Like some segments evil of this with, podcast. Yes, yes. And like this segment of this podcast, there's evil that you can't put your finger to. <laughs> right. You know? And you don't really want to try. No, 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 no. You're because there's something sort of... Ascribe it to the chaos of the of the universe. Yeah, there's some sort of ancient sort of, uh, you know, devilry. Sure. I, um, I've never heard of this movie before. Really? Yeah. Nor have I heard of Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, yeah, and he's got a couple more films, too. A couple of them are on Criterion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, check out Kira. I mean, it is such a trip. Such a trip. Came out in, I'm looking at, 1997. 97, okay. yeah. Also, what a time. Also, what a time. Great time to be alive. Yeah. Except if you're Monica Lewinsky. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, she bounced back. Um, yeah, she's, true. She she's up. So the other 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 person involved in that, not not true. so much. She's uh, not on any flight logs. Yeah, I was gonna hey. say, especially with uh, yeah, <laughs> that was the third dab, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, okay, well, let's stay in the '90s. Let's stay in the '90s for a little oh. bit. The '90s was it was good to the two of us. It's when it's when we were we were you know inflicted on humanity. Um, it's a '90s movie. We talked about it on this podcast. Uh, those are the only hints that you're going to get. So you have, uh-huh. you know, between now and you have three, sec- three seconds from now uh, to guess what it is. Uh, it is the 1999 film directed and written by um, Alexander Payne, Election, which we talked oh, about yeah, yeah, yeah. on this very podcast with Mona Awad, wonderful author, professor at Syracuse. Check it out. Very much worth your time. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, you can listen to me gush about it on that episode. So maybe I shouldn't say too too much. So we can uh, we can drive people to that to that episode. But I maintain, you know, that move that one might listen to that episode and say, "Oh, John, recency bias being what it is, like <laughs> you know, you probably didn't like this movie that much." But I am telling you now, months after the fact, that I really really did like mm. this movie. I was rewatching clips from it uh, before this this episode. And I think the screenplay is pitch perfect. Um, mm. I I think it's funny. I think it's it just it it encapsulates 1999 and just that moment in like the best ways possible. Reese Witherspoon is fucking incredible in this movie. Mm. Matthew Broderick is incredible. It's it's low key like eminently quotable. Uh, yeah. Again, there's way more to say about this movie and. Mona and probably Pat do a much better job of saying smart things about it, so you should check out that episode. But that that is my second favorite first time watch uh, of of twenty twenty one, and was just a good. Sometimes you have those movies that you stumble into when you're you know we obviously will sometimes assign movies to people, or sometimes we'll assign movies to each other, and sometimes we're assigned movies by others. And you know some of them I watch, and I'm like, yeah, I I, I get it. Um, I get it. Yeah. Uh, maybe wouldn't have found my way to it otherwise. Maybe I can take it or leave it. This is one of those situations where it's like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I'm so glad that I watched this movie. And uh, mm. yeah, election. Check it out. Good picture. Yeah. I'm not going to add to it. Yeah. What's your number two? I'm trying to connect them. There's <laughs> no way. I know I we're can. doing so well. Um, They're both movies. They're both films. Um, 
presumably they made both by involve um uh oh fuck <laughs> well they both involve voyeurism well i mean who among us yeah <laughs> that's my memoir <laughs> um so oh, so this film i had heard about it i heard about one sequence in this film okay okay i like it i like the sound of this but i kind of you know before i saw this i sort of thought this film oh boy it's just sappy and when i mean it's sappy i mean it's for women (laughs) and uh you know it's one of my girlfriend's favorite films and um i watched it Mm -hmm. and it was not at all what i expected and in watching this film, and I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, <laughs> there was so much stuff from this film that I put in my film without even recognizing it. Wow. Wow. Balmy summer days, a couple sort of yearning for each other in the in the summer, mm-hmm. lens flares, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. The film is called Transformers Two. Uh, <laughs> close. Atonement. Ah, yeah. right. And Atonement is about um, stars James McAvoy and a right fit bird, Kira uh, Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> we love and, her. Um, and and Sharsha Ronan. Sharsha Ronan. We love her too. And. Um, uh, something is witnessed that should not have been witnessed, and it's about the fallout of that. It's about the fallout of that, and um, God, I guess we're talking about endings of the film, but I'm pretty sure the ending of this film—it was a book. It's based on a book. I, I'm pretty sure the the book the book's ending was uh, the film's ending was not in the book. Mm. And again, it's another great example of oh boy, this is going to be bad. And it's really not. It's really quite something. Mm. And just mm. the, the, you know, because Joe Wright is, you know, he directed Pride and Prejudice, and he's, you know, he's all about right. the costume dramas. It's so sumptuous. The production design is so good and beautiful cinematography. And I'm not even talking about the very famous one shot, which takes place during... um dunkirk Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah it's a it's an incredible film about memory and forgiveness and Mm -hmm. shame and yeah grief Grief. we talked about it on the on the grief episode yeah Yeah. the episode or the episode dedicated to top five films about grief um yeah uh joride has a movie coming out this very year Mm. um Cyrano. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cyrano, Based on the... yeah. Um, which I, I do want to see. I hear it's really incredible. It features music by the guys from The National, mm. I believe. Um, That's fun. Do what fun. you will with that. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Joe Wright fan. Um, Be still yeah, I need, for I need... a second while I try <laughs> and try to pin your flowers oh, boy. on. Um, talk about a mood. Um, I do need to see this movie. This That's is a a, yet another reminder that I, I need to see this movie because um, I still have not um awesome well a 
great movie about memory, much like the movie that I am citing as my favorite film. My favorite, not only my favorite, yeah, my favorite rewatch, or no, my favorite first time watch of 2021, but one of my favorite movies of all time. Do you know what it is, Pat? Give me a hint. I texted you about it and gushed about it, and you responded. You were like, oh my god, of course you love this movie. Oh, shit. Give me an actor. Um, Jeff Bridges. Oh, 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 this is a really good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them, yeah, tell them, tell yeah. them, tell them. Uh, the 1971 film directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Yep. Bogdanovich. Yep. Um, the Last Picture Show. My fucking God, where has this movie been for the last six years for me? Uh, Like, it it is in fucking credible. Like, it's so Mm. good. And obviously, like this this is it's only a step below. Like talking about how The Godfather is so good. Maybe it's a couple steps below. I'll give myself a little more Mm. credit for that because it's not even you know it's this movie is cited as like a sort of shining example of many of like the you know, attributes of, like, the new Hollywood movement. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I guess I had known that, but I just thought it was, like, oh, it's maybe, like, a lesser one. Like, you don't need to watch that. You should watch, like, other movies. Instead, you should watch The Godfathers and The Graduates and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, oh, my gosh. This movie is, it takes place in, a, uh, what is the town in Texas? Uh, some small, yeah. small town yeah. in Texas where, like, Everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other's business. Everyone is poor. And, you, you know, the most exciting thing is the football team, the high school football team. And it's just like about a group of it's like mostly teenagers, but also a couple adults whose lives just intersect in ways that mostly mostly pertain to sex and a desire for connection. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it like famous or like most pro- pro- predominantly features uh Timothy Bottoms and Jeff Bridges <laughs> and Sybil Shepherd as the teenagers who's yeah who's it's just it's essentially about characters who just like are fucking each other fucking people that they shouldn't be fucking and or wanting to fuck people that they shouldn't want to fuck um <laughs> and that's yeah that's like the the, the long and short of it um and the movie is it's filmed in black and white. Mm. It's very very quiet. All of the interactions are very mundane and domestic um both in the sense that they take place in like one single living, you know, at one single like small town, but also like a lot of them have to do with like domestic matters and domestic affairs. Um the shots are just so beautiful. There's so much love for these characters and that that sometimes that can you can say that. I feel like nowadays that just means that there's no conflict in in a movie or in a show <laughs> when you talk about how much the, the filmmakers love these characters. But there is like so much care for mm. these characters, and no one falls through. You know, no one falls through the cracks. Like everyone gets their their due in terms of like their suffering and their loneliness and their interiority. Um, you know, being being brought to life. Um, music as well. Like the I don't think there's any. There's very little um, non-diegetic 
music like yeah. music that is like the composer like most of the soundtrack most of the music you hear is diegetic in the sense that the characters are also hearing it like it's being played on the radio mm. and it's all most of it is hank williams who is one of like my favorite artists of all yeah. time like so just like there are just so many times this movie where i was like this is this is just tailor-made for me mm. um and it's just it's just remarkable. Like everyone needs to watch this movie. I don't say yeah. that about very many movies, like with absolute certainty, but everyone needs to watch this movie because it's just remarkable. The Last Picture Show. Yeah, yeah. He was so young when he directed that. It's it's really nuts. It yeah. really is nuts. Um, yeah. I mean, The French Connection won Best Picture in 1971. Great movie. One of the situations where I think they got it wrong. Mm. This this movie deserved Best Picture in that in that year. That's my it's my that's the hot, hot take. take. Uh, yeah. Um, which just is a testament to how you know great the seventies were. Um, for movies, <laughs> for movies. Let's make that very clear. Um, that's my that is my favorite first time watch of nineteen seventy one. Oh, sorry, of nineteen seventy one of two of two thousand twenty one. Um, and one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that. Um, yeah, the, the, watching this film, you kind of think that there would be no Friday Night Lights without it. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I can see because you're such a fan of. Uh, I mean, it's a small town in Texas, but it could really just be a small town anywhere. Totally, it's totally. a small town in your heart. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you well, got? Um, I'm gonna do a movie that I did that came out last year, but I you talked about it on our okay. best films of the year episode. Mm-hmm. But I had not seen it yet. I was not privy to it. Okay. Okay. Um, because I was very scared about watching right. it. I was really scared about watching it. Understandably so. And one of my great fears in life is is losing my hearing mm-hmm. and um this film um it deals with that but it doesn't just deal with okay someone's lost their hearing it, it the film is about fighting change and realizing and accepting that there's no kind of going back and I think, uh, and the director of this movie has brought this up, and I think it's also sort of a metaphor for what's kind of going on right now in that this year was kind of about regaining what was lost in 2020. Mm. So get the vaccine, go out to restaurants, go out to movies, get it all back. Like, oh, let's just try to go back to normal. And in so many ways, things are normal. And I don't want to, you know sound like I'm poo-pooing the the progress that's been made but mm-hmm. also there's kind of something that's been lost that we're never going to get back yeah yeah and the main character in this film is fighting that and he's yeah. really under the impression that he can just go back to normal and that everything's going to kind of fit into a box and he's going to everything will be compartmentalized and and he will get what he's so broken hearted over 
back. Mm. And that's and that really... movie is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to say, speaking as someone who's an American, mm-hmm. that's something that's like impossible to impart on people born in this country. Mm. Not that nostalgia is a disease. Right. But that things are out of your control and you don't have the ability to get them back. Mm. And I think that kind of speaks something to to us as as Americans, like as people living here. That yeah. Whether it's 9-11 or COVID. Mm-hmm. But we have this innate, this, that fucking pioneer bullshit, which still exists, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just like, you know what? It's just, it's over that next corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's over that next corner. And maybe that's human. Maybe that's not just like American. But yeah. um, I can't feel like, I can't help but feel like that is kind of a curse of our Puritan forebears. Yeah. The film yeah. is Sound of Metal. I haven't even said the film. The film <laughs> I was, is Sound of I was, Metal. <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering if I should say, but you you had it all figured out. You had it yeah, all figured yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, um, And it's just the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, the film is about what I think is another brilliant part of this film is that every time you think the film is about something. It it yeah. becomes it's not. You think at the beginning, oh, this is about um a metal band. Well, it's not. Yeah. Oh, well then this is a film about someone who's trying to get their hearing back. Well, then it's not. And then <laughs> oh, you think this is a film about I, I'm not going to go I don't cuz I don't want to spoil yeah. it. I w- I really want everyone all of our listeners to watch it. And there's so many things that could have gone wrong in this movie. There's so many parts of this movie that alongside, I think we can lump Last Picture Show with this too. There's so many parts that would be saccharine to the point of, yeah, you know, kind of over fattened, over sweetened. They're not. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's an absolute fucking crime that Paul Racy yeah. didn't win Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I don't I can't even remember who won best support. John, who won best supporting actor? Best supporting actor last year. Oh, yes, twenty twenty. Uh, Can you even remember? It was oh god, who was it? I can't. even Oh, well, it was it was um it was uh from Get Out uh and Judas and Black Messiah. Um, oh okay. Oh god, well, what's his name? Daniel Kaluuya. Dan- yeah, Daniel Kaluuya for yeah. Uh, produced on black messiah well he's great in that movie but paul racy's yeah. much better i mean i'm sorry yeah he's just like it's just you know and i don't know i've i've really investigated the you know this movie took 10 years to make you know for, for most of those 10 years darius martyr was working as like a chef as a yeah. food stylist he yeah. was not working as a filmmaker yeah he was like 40 when he um, came out yeah yeah um Riz Ahmed is incredible Riz Ahmed obviously is, in the movie. Just, yeah. Olivia Cook. Yeah, and and I don't know, it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful film. Yeah. 
And it's also yeah. one of the best endings of all time, I think. Yeah, you truly, it has to be yeah. experienced. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Also, like, I don't say this, like, you know, I don't give, like, this this um, imperative, like, very often. But, like, you, if you have not watched this movie, you fucking need to watch this movie. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. You probably yeah. have it. You're also probably part of the problem. Um, so just fi- fire it on up. Um, yeah. Watch it with a loved one. Um, yeah. you'll you'll get cozy especially with that ending shot you, you have yeah. to you have no choice but to to do that um the screenplay is just stupidly incredible yeah which we, we'll we will given what i think we're going to be talking about very soon on the podcast mm. per your text that you sent me yesterday, oh yeah, yeah 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 i think yeah. i think we'll be talking about about the screenplay and was that on there it, no no, it was not, yeah. and no, I have some thoughts a, that's on that's a problem, what, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No one knows what we're talking about, but they will soon. Yeah. This is a little, this is a little teaser. Um, yeah, yeah. The movie is remarkable. It was my favorite movie of 2020. Um, yeah, yeah. And watch the movie. This is an incredible movie. It's a very special movie. Um, honestly, and and if you watch the trailer, honestly, don't watch the trailer. Just like yeah. take take Pat and John's. Like take our take our word for it. Like it's you watch the trailer, you're gonna be scared. You're going to be scared. Like, you're going to feel like this is too much. Like, oh, it's so heavy. Yeah, you're going to think it's a trauma film. Yeah, but it's it's not. Like, it, you will be taken through the ringer. You probably will cry at several different junctures in the film. But it's it, it's gentle. It is a gentle movie. And, like, I don't... Even if you're super feeling already bummed out, like, it's worth it's worth watching. Um, So, yeah. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Good pick. Good pick from P. Stan. Yeah, I I didn't even I totally forgot the fact that you had watched it after the fact, so I was not expecting that. I was like thinking about what your favorite <laughs> yeah. first time watch would would have been. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do a little recap and and let's uh let's get the hell out of here. What's uh, uh? What are your What are your five picks? Uh, my fifth coming in at number five is the Souvenir by Joanna Hogg. Uh, coming in at number four is Dursu Usala by uh. Kira Kurosawa. That's on Criterion. Cure at number three by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. That's also on Criterion. Um, Atonement, directed by Joe Wright. I don't know where the fuck you can find that. That's that's Kate's <laughs> iTunes. Um, and uh, <laughs> Sound of Metal, directed by Darius Martyr. And that's on Prime. Awesome. Um, for me, number five is In the Mood for Love, directed by Wong Kar. Why? Why? Wonkar, why? Um, number four is My Own Private Idaho, directed by Gus Van Sant. Uh, number three, Zodiac, uh, directed by David Fincher. Number two, Election, uh, directed by Alexander Payne. And number one, The Last Picture Show, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. And you can find all of these movies. Just Google it, you lazy piece of shit. You'll figure it out. Can't you want us to do everything for you? Can't happen. Um, that's from yeah, a teacher. Uh, that's coming from that, a teacher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do I say that to my students? Uh, who's to say? Who's to say? Um, the last of them will be graduating this year and will no longer repopulate in American high schools. So, um, <laughs> truly, who's to say? Um, awesome. Yeah, this was cool. I'm glad this was. I. I. I was. I. I was joking earlier. I was doing some bits earlier, but I, this was a really good idea, and this was actually very cool to um, to take stock of. Um, 
And yeah, hopefully people who are listening will find something that they uh, that piques their interest to some degree. Um, what do you got to plug, Pat? Um, is, I is probably the... shouldn't say this, but if you want to watch the film, you can DM me on Instagram and I will give you a link to it. So any fans of the pod who want to watch the film, I will give you a private it, link. Do you have a sense of when it will be available for mass consumption? Or is that is that... I mean, I that's, could that's I could put it up there. I'm not totally no, ready but yet. You, yeah. Um, no, yeah. But, uh, but I'm also not precious about this stuff. It's just that festivals... Sure, sure, sure have rules yeah. about this shit so right yeah and you want to you, you know it's a commodity and you want it to is treat a commodity it as such. yeah 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 you want to treat it as such yeah. um for me uh as i did say as i said in the beginning of the episode um i have been fortunate enough to have a couple publications over the course of the past few weeks um you can read two uh two pieces of mine that were published in this really cool online lit mag uh called no contact um one of them is called Obad, and the other one is called Chamber Peace as Sonnet. And both of them are about yearning for love and desire. One of them in the context of the pandemic, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, and then I had another piece that just came out the other week uh, in that was published in Nashville Review. Uh, and this piece is called Jerry Mouse Considers Reconciliation. So do what you will with all of that. Um, yeah, you can find those on my link tree along with everything else I've written that is, in my estimation, worth checking out. Um, and I feel like that's really all that I have to to plug. Um, yeah, we're reaching the end of the year, so this is as good a time as ever to take stock of the stuff that we've released this this year. I think we've had a, a lot of really great episodes, a lot of a lot of great really great episodes, a lot of really great guests. Um, and yeah, prep yourself for the next few weeks because I think we're gonna be having a, we're gonna be releasing a, a lot of really great stuff, um, especially as it pertains to you know just sort of looking at the year in uh, in its totality. Um, yeah, and yeah. as ever, if you are enjoying the podcast, recommend it to a friend, rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at Pat and John on their best behavior. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye bye.